Let me invite you to go ahead and open up, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1, where we are going to be continuing in our series, Do You Hear What I Hear, um, celebrating the chaos that the angels created. But before we do that, let me just mention that since we recorded that awesome video that I know you're going to want to go right out and buy your own copy of uh, about the announcements, there's something that does has come more into, uh, well, we know it's going to happen, and that is we can offer nursery uh, for families at the 3 o'clock Christmas Eve service. So we've got some volunteers that are willing to step up and help with that. So families, in light of planning for Christmas Eve, uh, do be thoughtful that at the 3 o'clock service, nursery uh, can be provided for you. Go online, please. Call the church office and make your reservation that you're going to be bringing some of your kids to it, if you would, please. That'll just help us with our planning. And then the other thing I just want to mention, it, it's, it was in the bulletin, but thank you so much to all of you volunteers that came a week ago Saturday and helped us just to decorate the buildings. It looks so festive, and we are just so grateful for your efforts in helping Katie Anderson put all the decorations up. And I just wanted to say thanks uh, personally and how much I know I appreciate the efforts that you put in. This week, I was deeply moved by the insight of one of America's great philosophers. And I just really appreciate the grip on reality that he has. So let me just read a section from Dr. Seuss and his book, On Beyond Zebra. Said Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell, my very young friend who was learning to spell, A is for ape and B is for bear, C is for camel and H is for hare. M is for mouse and R is for rat. I know all 26 letters like that. Through to Z is for zebra. I know them all well, said Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell. Now, I know everything anybody knows from beginning to end, from start to the close, because Z is as far as the alphabet goes. Then he almost fell flat on his face on the floor when I picked up the chalk and drew one letter more, a letter he had never dreamed of before. And I said, you can stop if you want with the Z, and most people stop with Z, but not me. In places I go, there are things that I see that I could never spell if I stopped with Z. I'm telling you this because you're one of my friends. My alphabet starts where your alphabet ends. My alphabet starts with a letter called Yez, which is the letter I use to spell Yezimetes. You'd sort of be surprised what there is to be found once you go beyond Z and start poking so on beyond Z, let's explore like Columbus. Discover new letters like WUM, which is for Wombus, my high-spouting whale who lives high on a hill and who never comes down till it's time to refill. So on beyond Z, it's high time you were shown that you really don't know all there is to be known. How easy is it for us to think we know where the edges are? We think we know the boundaries. We think we know the limits. We think we know the possibilities. And yet the Bible records that every time God shows up, every time an angel shows up to deliver a message, 
it created chaos, it created a disturbing situation, it created much confusion, because suddenly a whole new realm was opened up that people didn't know was there. Those who heard these divine messages suddenly realized that life is not so easily packaged from A to Z. And isn't that exactly what we've seen in the last couple of weeks? It started with Zechariah and Elizabeth. It continued on last Sunday with Mary. The God of heaven had something in mind, and His initiative impacted their lives. And it exploded, literally, their minds and understanding that went way beyond their boundaries, their possibilities, their sense of what really could happen. And they came to the shocking realization. They didn't know what they didn't know. And now for a third time, as we come to Matthew chapter 1, the angel Gabriel comes and delivers a message. The recipient of this message is a young man of impeccable character whose comfortable world has just come crashing down all around him. The unthinkable has happened and has shaken him to the core. Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 28, begins with this young man, Joseph, becoming aware of what Mary has brazenly done. Now, let's all understand, we know where the story is going. Joseph doesn't have a clue what's happening around him yet. All he knows is that Mary, verse 18, has been found to be with child. Oh, scandalous immoral. How could she? And yet the text is clear that Joseph has not slept with her, so that really only leaves one possible or plausible explanation. Now, before we talk about the explanation, it's important to appreciate what being engaged meant at this time and in this culture. When a man and woman were engaged during the early New Testament times, it was a legally binding commitment. In other words, they actually started calling each other husband and wife. And for all intents and purposes, other than they did not share a bed together, they were married. And so the engagement period lasted just around a year, just before until the wedding ceremony took place. So, with that as a backdrop, for Mary to become pregnant was not only seen as immoral, it was seen as, a, as a, <clears throat> excuse me, a breach of her commitment to Joseph. Can you imagine the feelings that would be going on inside of Joseph? More than likely, he was overwhelmingly disappointed. How could she? There would be a deep sense of sadness. I was so looking forward to our life together. There was probably incredible puzzlement. I thought I knew her. What's wrong with me that she would end up in the arms of another guy? So what does Joseph do? Well, we're told in the text, he begins contemplating a divorce. See, they're already legally bound towards marriage. It's going to take a divorce to end this. But notice how we see the depth of his love for her by the tender way he plans on doing it. Verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling, unwilling to put her to shame, 
resolved to divorce her quietly. So as Joseph's head hits the pillow that night after putting this plan together, as he sleeps, we're told what the angel then comes and bluntly asks him to do. He instructs Joseph, take Mary home as your wife, and to do so, notice in verse 20, without fear. Afraid. What is the fear factor for Joseph here? Well, the answer to that is wrapped up in that little phrase that describes him as being a just man. Just man, that describes his reputation in the community. Joseph, in the eyes of everybody in Nazareth, is this outstanding model of a citizen. He is considered to be righteous. In fact, some of your translations say righteous instead of just. Righteous in that he will always do the right thing. That's his reputation in town. So that helps us understand fear now is injected potentially into his heart and life in that taking Mary as his wife puts at risk his reputation. See, a righteous man would distance himself from a woman like this. A righteous man would start divorce proceedings. A righteous man might end it quietly, but he would end it. Joseph's reputation is at risk. If he continues the engagement, if he marries Mary, then it's going to appear that he has taken responsibility for the coming baby. Oh, so you're the father. You see, public gossip and speculation is going to run rampant. Yet the angel asks Joseph to believe that this pregnancy is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, that is going beyond Z. That is embracing impossibility. And how easily would any of us make that kind of a jump? <laughs> but there's more about fear. Notice how Joseph is also told to give this baby the name Jesus. That name literally means the Lord's the Lord saves. You probably know that well. But look at the end of verse 21. The name is directly connected to the fact that this baby boy would save other people from their sins. Then notice we have a break in the story. It's almost as if we're given, we are given a parenthesis here. Um, because Matthew wants to make a comment about how this is the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. All this took place, verse 22, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So here we have once again an angel coming with a startling message. The unnerving prospect of, of a miraculous pregnancy outside of the marriage relationship. The disruptive request that Joseph, you, you, I, you're still being asked to take Mary as your wife. And all of this is not done to cover up a, uh, an embarrassing situation or try to give some kind of explanation to the unexplainable. Rather, it's because this was planned long ago by the God of heaven in order that he might show up 
and be among us. Emmanuel. Makes me think of Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 1. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. Wow, what a dream. <laughs> what a dream. And did you think Joseph woke up and wondered if uh, he was delusional or was fantasizing out of denial? Well, the answer to that can, can be seen in what then Joseph boldly does, starting at verse 24. And notice that there are three things in these next couple of verses up that show us about his courageous response to the message the angel delivered. First, his choice. He was boldly obedient to take Mary home as his wife. By the way, don't miss the incredible caring that is going on here. God knew how unsettling the virgin birth would be for Mary. So he wants Joseph to bring her in to the stability and the security of a home. And Joseph does it because he is willing to risk what others think of him in favor of what God would think of him. Not only should we observe his choice, but notice also his bold restraint. Even though they were married, and even though Mary is now pregnant, and it wouldn't seem to matter at this point, Joseph curbs what would seem to be a right and doesn't have sex with her until after Jesus is born. Why? Did you ever ask that question? Why does Joseph boldly restrain himself? Well, look at the prophecy in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. And then we have the word and, which should repeat, and the virgin shall bear a son. See, in Joseph's mind, the virgin's got to do both of these, so he's going to be obedient, even down to those kinds of little details. Joseph's bold in his choice. Joseph is bold in his restraint. But notice there's something else he was bold about. He's bold in giving the name Jesus. Why does that take courage? Because normally the firstborn son is given a family name. But this is an act of faith to publicly label this little boy that's going to be coming for what God has in mind. Now, understand, Joseph doesn't know how all this is going to work out yet. We do. He doesn't. But he's willing to go way beyond Z because that's where God is leading. Now, to the angel's message, I am sure Joseph probably initially thought to himself, why involve me? Why, why can't I maintain a safe distance from all of this? Why do I need to be a part of this and lend my name into this kind of chaos? Well, that's a fair question, isn't it? I mean, why indeed does this story need Joseph? I mean, Mary's pregnant. She's going to have a baby boy regardless of whether Joseph is there or not. So why does God ask Joseph to step in rather than allow him to back out of the picture? Well, Joseph is a part of the story for three different reasons. First, 
If you notice that we started here in Matthew 18, but prior to that, there is a lengthy genealogy to establish that Jesus is in the line, the family line of David. So without Joseph being the father, being a son of David himself, Jesus has no rightful claim to the throne of David. Second reason. Apart from Jesus jumping in, excuse me, apart from Joseph jumping in, do you realize that Jesus would have been born in Nazareth? But Micah chapter 2 and verse 5 says the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. So when Caesar demands that everybody be, have a census taken in order to pay the right amount of taxes, Joseph has to go to Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and that's where he is born. Third thing, God's tender provision for Mary is seen in this unsettling situation as Joseph brings her in to the stability and care and love of his home. Which then should bring us to the point of appreciating the power of what's happening here. Joseph is not being asked to contribute as if God was saying to him, hey, bud, can you kind of help me out here a little bit? No, Joseph is being asked to immerse himself in the chaos, to risk getting in there where it's incredibly messy, and it's difficult to explain what's happening. But it took Joseph's involvement in order for God to show up. Joseph was instrumental in the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. And that's exactly what's true for us in our day, right here in this generation as we approach the end of 2020. For God to be with us, it will involve us. See, God's larger story is the story that's really unfolding all around us. And for that to unfold as He wants it, it's going to involve us. He calls us to be involved in it. He wants to pull us into the plans that He has in order for Him to show up. And our involvement is what's going to take if others are going to personally know about Emmanuel and experience Him for themselves. So the angel here delivers this radical message with radical implications, and that radical message and those radical implications are still on the table for us if we're going to see God show up in this generation and impact other people's lives. For God to be with us right here, right now in our day, just like with Joseph, it's going to involve each one of us in this room, every single one of us in this room, in three different ways. First, it's going to ask us to endanger reputation. Again, let's go back. Joseph was considered to be a just or righteous man. That was his reputation, but getting involved would put that at risk. After all, what would people say? To be the follower of Jesus Christ in our day is going to endanger our reputation in the eyes of a lot of people. 
It will impact what some people think of us, and the impact is going to be a negative impact because we're going to be considered to be foolish. We're going to be considered to be a fanatic. We're going to be considered to be racist, unpatriotic, unloving kind of people. To have moral absolutes? Oh, you've got to be kidding. To give people sacrificial love? What kind of planet do you live on? To believe in a God who does miracles? I mean, what kind of punch are you been drinking here at the Christmas season? <laughs> and because of that pressure, because of the pressure of what we want our reputation to be like in the eyes of other people, so many followers of Jesus settle for a watered-down version of following Him. Wilbur Reese put it this way, he writes, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or to disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. And yet we're warned in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Our willingness to endanger our reputation is a crucial involvement on our part to see God show up. But there's a second one, a second one that's just as challenging. Notice that I'm also asked in this passage to emphasize rescue. Again, look at verse 21. What did verse 21 tell us was the purpose for the baby coming? to save. Okay, think about this carefully. The act of saving is completely unnecessary unless someone is in danger. That's why we refer to Jesus as Savior. But how easy it is to celebrate the events of Christmas and become all enamored with the details of the virgin birth, the miraculous messengers, and miss the point of why the baby came. I mean, as amazing and as supernatural as a virgin birth is, that's simply the vehicle which brought us Jesus. But that we celebrate Christmas in our sense of awe ought to be about the mission. God taking the initiative to show up and save us and save us from our sins. And that's the joy and wonder of seeing Christmas for what it really is. A number of years ago, um, in, our, in the very first interim pastorate that, uh, that Lucy and I were a part of, we were in a church in um, North Carolina, and in that town was the largest Coast Guard base on the East Coast. And so that base was a part of military operations all the time, as well as was a training facility for the Coast Guard and their rescue swimmers. So every day, 24-7, we could hear helicopters taking off and, and landing. And have you ever looked real closely at a helicopter? 
recently. I was constantly amazed at these Coast Guard helicopters that they could even fly. Yeah, you look at a plane, it has wings, and you kind of see, okay, there's a plane, I see a bird, I see kind of the, the, the resemblance there. A helicopter, and it can fly? It's a miracle that that thing can get off the ground and go anywhere. But the really great news is really not that the helicopter can fly. The great news is that the helicopter goes out and rescues people at sea. So the details of Christmas are incredible, but the point of Christmas is that it started a rescue mission. And that's where our sense of awe should focus. For our sin has killed something down deep in us that God wants to bring back alive. Our sin has damaged something down deep within us that our God wants to bring healing to. Our sin within us has set us off a wandering God wants to bring us home. But rescue involves coming near. Rescue is not possible at a distance. The only effective rescue is to enter into the danger, enter into that threatening environment to get that person out. Are you willing? Am I willing to enter into the mess of someone else's life in order to earn the right to be heard, that they might hear from our lips that a rescue by Jesus is possible? Emmanuel was never intended to be a holiday decoration or a piece of jewelry or a, even a church play. Jesus came to get personal with us, to see our lives transformed in rescuing us from our sin and giving us the kind of life that we've always wanted to have. And that's why for God to be with us, it's going to involve us by, yeah, endangering reputation and emphasizing rescue. Let me give you a third one that comes right out of this passage in Joseph's life. It's, it's going to require that we get involved by exercising restraint. We've already seen it. Joseph took Mary home as his wife, but because of the implication of the prophecy that the virgin will be with child and the virgin will give birth to a child, Joseph did not consummate, physically consummate that marriage until after Jesus was born. Our obedient involvement in what God has in mind is often going to call us to exercise restraint, and it's often going to be right at the very point that Joseph had to face where it would be easy for us to think, who will ever know? Does it really matter now? I mean, after all, I've got a right to this. That's why I really like what G.K. Chesterton once said. He said, to have a right to do a thing is not at all the same as to be right in doing it. Paul picks up on that very same concept in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. 
when he says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Am I willing to wait? Are you willing to wait? Are we willing to delay? Are we willing to resist our culture's worship of immediate gratification because God's asking us to follow his lead? So here's the challenge we face. Let's wrap all these things together, but let's start at the back and work towards the front. My choice to limit my freedom in the area of my rights and preferences is so that God might show up and a rescue and occur in the life of someone else, even if some of those watching might think less of me. For God to be with us, it will involve us. Like Joseph, we hear from God how he wants us to get involved, and we might possibly think, you can't be serious. Yeah, he is. For you see, our involvement is crucial. For as we choose to go way beyond Z, by endangering our reputation, by emphasizing his rescue, and by exercising personal restraint, the lives of others will be impacted in breathtaking ways. That's how we celebrate Christmas.